Podcast. My name is Anthony, and sitting right across from me via Zoom, as always, is my pal, the Quincy. Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, why so fast? I don't know. We've never done that. I've never done that one. And I thought, let's give it a shot. <laughs> okay. And I can, I can confidently say to the listeners out there, to you, the Quincy, my mm-hmm. my pal and co-host, never again. So. Yeah. You always get on here and try to surprise me with the intros, and every time just flabbergasted. All right, yeah. To the business, and also I should have, uh, oh, I should have had my screen on. I was looking at something else when I said that. Mm-hmm. I was hoping I would have caught you like mid sip, <laughs> see if that would have, how it would have uh, affected your your sip. Dude, I just got this microphone. It's like this one microphone I have now costs more than I paid to get the two. Uh, my old one and your current one. Mm-hmm. So if I spill this this um this crown roll over it, you're buying me a new one. Oh, I got you. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, business. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Beaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and Amazon Podcasts. And anywhere else, great podcasts are given away for exactly free ninety nine. Business time over. Yeah. Um, So I had this intro kind of like, you know, to talk about, you know, to get into what we're going to talk about, but Mm -hmm. um, something more important happened today. And uh, uh, we lost the, the greatest home run hitter of all time, uh, Henry Hank Aaron and uh, age 86. So I thought that, you know, we could kick it off with a a short, solemn, uh, somber tribute to the man. Yeah, that was a um, a kick to the chest. I was at work today when I I got I saw the um, the tweet out of an I think it was one of the Atlanta uh, news station saying he had passed away this morning. Um, I broke the news to everyone in my office and like one of our one of the guys I work with is named Cedric. He's an older black gentleman. He's about 50, 55. And I told him and like, you can just see his shoulders just slump. He was like, tell me you're kidding. I was like, I'm sorry. This really happened. Like someone, a, uh, a black guy of that age, someone who watched um, Henry Aaron play and see all the racist stuff that he had to go through to become the home run king. That really affected him. And I'm, I was like, damn, I'm sorry I had to break your heart like this. That's rough, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, such a huge impact on the sport, man. I mean, you know, the home run king for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I still contend the, the home run king still. Uh even though, uh, you know, there are still some Barry Bonds defenders out there, and, and that's fine. You know, it's, I'm not going to argue with them. But uh, Never failed a drug test, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that, that's true, too. Um, 
But man, I mean, a legend on and off the field. I mean, the, I didn't really learn too much about him. I haven't really read too much about him, but you know, everything I've seen, interviews that he's done, um, uh, you know, appearances he's made, like, you know, all-star games and world series, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you could tell, like, just the man had just, he just was class personified, you could tell, you know, and you could tell that, um, you know, well, really, more importantly, to be as great as he was, you know, uh, shows that he didn't let anything get to him. He didn't let, he didn't let those who hated him win. You know, he, he came out on top ultimately. He didn't let the racism stop him, even though mm-hmm. it, it was a constant factor in his entire playing career. I mean, he would get the most vile, hateful letters from uh, fans when he was uh, chasing down Babe Ruth's home run record. And even to this day, he's kept those letters. Just a reminder of, as he said, where we've been and how much further we have to go. And I think even like some of those letters even made to the baseball hall of fame. Sure. So it's like, uh, let's never, I saw who was, I think it was Jeff Passon was was like, Oh, he ignored the racism and he made it all the way to the top of the home run. It's like, no, he did ignore it. It was part of his everyday life. Mm -hmm. Let's not, let's not belittle that. He, every time he like, there was a point during the home run chase, he was the most mailed man in America. You got a, a million letters in one day. <laughs> oh and, you know, it wasn't all love. There are a right. lot of, like, despicable comments. And he he read that. He kept on going. He put his head down. And even knowing that every time he got on the diamond, there was a chance that someone was going to actually assassinate him. And this was during a time, you know, like, I've heard stories and I laugh at these stories of like, you know, guys getting beer poured on them in the dugout or the, in the bullpen and stuff like that. Like this, that was during a time when, when fans, like the, the players were more accessible in that regard. Like, you know, the, the, there wasn't an usher on every single aisle and security on every single aisle and stuff like that. And, and, you know, you could get that close to, to, um, uh, to the players and, you know, oh, let's talk like, about the, there wasn't there wasn't metal detectors in every entrance when you walk in and bag checks and stuff. So it's like, you know, the idea that he was able to to avoid any, you know, any major incident, you know, while playing. I mean, it's it's just, you know, um, we see it all the time in the in the one video where he hits home run seven fifteen and he's running the bases. There are two white guys that run up, mm-hmm. all, you know, on the field of play, and. Like at the time, everyone who saw that or like they admit now, it's like we didn't know if those guys were going to congratulate him or going to attack him. Yeah. yeah. And it's like we just got lucky there was two decent white guys who mm-hmm. were, were happy. We're happy. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> that could have been the end of, of um Hank Aaron. I don't that's think- that's that's an iconic that's iconic footage mm-hmm. that could have easily become infamous footage yeah it's like the the insurrection that has happened two weeks ago it's like we don't realize how close we came to something terrible happening mm-hmm. 
But uh, man, I mean, uh, it's just amazing to, you know, that he, the, to do the things he did, you know, under those circumstances. I mean, 755 career home runs, mm-hmm. 3,700 hits. Like, you don't think about him being, you forget he's a member of the 3,000 hit club. Yes. 22, almost 20, literally 2297, three RBI away from 2300 RBI, which I think is the record. He never hit, and every year he hit double-digit home runs. Mm-hmm. Every year. And he played for 23 years. And you think a home run hitter, he still finished with 305 average. Like, that's incredible. I mean, home run hitters today are lucky to hit 250. <laughs> so it seems like, I mean, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. Adam Dunn, you know, these big home run hitter guys like that but um i mean just you in the discussion of one of the greatest baseball players of all time he has to be mm-hmm. he's also to me he lives in that mystical place that prince lives where i never thought of him being able to die if that makes sense sure it's like you you're so superhuman and you've done everything these amazing things no matter the circumstances i never thought you can do something as mortal just pass away because he's been someone who's been like i've been watching baseball since i was a child hank aaron has always been a part of it for me mm-hmm. a- and to hear that he just passed away this morning it's just it's just a, a shock you know yeah, I mean, even though you're like, he's 86, he lived a long, long, promising life. It's like, but it's still, it's like, God damn, he's gone. Yeah, I mean, it's still, the world is always different when you lose icons like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very surreal. And so the Braves have already announced they're going to wear 44 patches for the entire season. Uh, I'm me personally. I'm like, how about you just change the the team name to the Hammers? Get away from the Braves. Oh. Get away from the um the racist stigma that comes with that. You just become the Hammers. I think you know if if and when that that move is made, I think yeah, I think that's the way to go. I'm always surprised that teams that have these racist names don't change the names. Not because uh, you know you want to be good or anything, and and show that that you believe in morals or what, blah blah blah. Just to get the damn money from the uniforms from selling new jerseys. Yeah. But I just want to say um, happy trails, melancholy trails to Hank Aaron and um, to all to his family, friends, and um, fans around the world. We're mourning with you today. Very true. Yeah. RIP, rest easy, all that, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So this won't be an easy transition, but we're not the best in the business for nothing. Right. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's it's Friday. We we made it to we made it to another weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Deshaun Watson is still here. Uh, <laughs> for now. For now. George Springer is out. Yep. Uh, Jason Castro is 
back again. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently Kevin Porter Jr. is on his way. So who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot going on. And also, I just saw a headline. Uh, Carlos Correa wants to finish his career in Houston. So maybe the H-E-B Scott guy uh, isn't going to save as much money as I thought after all. This is like the fourth podcast in a row that you've been in that man's pockets. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm what so happened? used to seeing... Did, so you have a bad, the, did you have a bad experience at H-E-B? No, I love H-E-B. I okay, just, you were in that Scott's pockets 24-7, 365. That's good advertising. It, it sticks with me. Those commercials, I remember all of them. JJ and Deshaun and DeAndre and Carlos to, and George. Jose, I begin to wonder guys. if Scott called you a dirty, uh, like a dirty racial slur. Because you have been on that man's neck about his money. No, I think it's just fascinating how he's he's like a he's like this sports agent that has like all these top stars and they decide to leave him. But um, I would not have you come on this podcast and disrespect the name of HEB. I won't have no, you do it, sir. No disrespect meant at all. So before the podcast, I said that I will follow whatever lead you go with. So I am following. So wherever whoever you want to talk about, let's go. Um, well, I guess we can, we can stick with Deshaun. I mean, he's, he's still here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's looking, talk, looking let's talk closer, about closer. the, the circumstances that led to this problem. True boy. <laughs> um, I mean, it started with what Deandre getting traded. Deandre got traded. Well, we're going to start at the beginning. It started with them giving Bill O'Brien too much damn power. <laughs> right. Let's start there. But going into the 2020 season, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is traded. For they didn't even get uh, that trade still irks me because they couldn't even get a first round pick for one of the <sighs> top five receivers in the NFL. How do you not get a first round pick? I mean, even even if it's in 2028, you know, how do you not get a first round pick? Even the Vikings got a first round pick for Stefan Diggs when they traded him. And I like yeah. Stefan Diggs, but he's not as good as Hopkins is. Mm-hmm. But he's still worth a first-round pick. So if he's still for, worth a first-round pick, Hopkins is clearly worth that much. Mm-hmm. I would have preferred a first-round pick and no David Johnson <laughs> than a second-round pick and David Johnson. Same. <laughs> but continue. But going on. So Hopkins is a trade, and the rumor at the time was um, – uh, Watson was a little peed about peed off about it, but he, you know, he still played, had a fantastic season. Um, middle of the season, the idiot Bill O'Brien finally gets fired. Well, even before that, you know, even before the season, I mean, they give him a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He signs a you know an incredible contract, um, one that you should give your your franchise player. Um. And you have to think, okay, well, things, okay, if, if you've locked him up like this, or if you've, uh, I don't say that, if you have given him that kind of contract, if you've made that commitment to him, then clearly you would think that that you're willing to make a commitment to the rest of the team. Yeah, that, and I'm looking up that contract right now. Four years, $156 million. I must guarantee practical 
guaranteed a hundred over 110 million. Mm-hmm. It's the second largest contract in the NFL right now, only behind Patrick Mahomes. You're right. Four million. I mean, you know, <laughs> I like Deshaun and all, but I, you know, I uh weird seeing anybody get 400 million good for him good for patrick but uh you know how dare he get mike trout money right <laughs> but go back okay so he signs a huge deal uh bill o'brien is finally fired the texans just crash and burn although through no fault of deshaun watson the defense was terrible the running game was abysmal the offensive line was basically you, me, and three random dudes from Home Depot. So the only only saving grace on that team was Deshaun Watson. And also, real quick, they made a trade before another trade before the season to get was it Laramie Tunzel? From Miami? This, time is a circle. Is that this year or last year? I thought it was this year. Because they gave away their first round draft pick this year. So you finish four and twelve, good enough for the, the third overall pick, or bad enough. However you want to look at it. And you don't even get that pick. No. So the one thing that killed me about the Larry Tonso trade is that they traded away so many assets and didn't get him to sign a extension before the trade went through. So not only did they lose all that stuff for the trade, they had to sign him in order to validate the trade. Mm-hmm. So let's get to the real problem with the Houston Texans and what's caused this entire Deshaun Watson situation. Kyle McNair is a fucking moron. I can, my girlfriend sitting here. She just gave me a look. Yes, I can curse on this podcast. We put the E for explicit. <laughs> oh, no. She said she did that because she agreed with me. Oh, okay. Comic there is uh, the, um, oh, man. Son? Well, yeah. So gonna, I wasn't going to say son. I was going to say um, he reminds me of Dolan from the Knicks. He's a mm-hmm. guy who came in through a bunch of money because of his family and doesn't seem to know how to be anything. Like the old say, he's a guy who was born on third base and thought he hit a triple. Right. I've never actually heard that saying, but I like you haven't? That. No. <laughs> oh my god. I feel like that's a very um famous uh saying for children who are who take over from their parents and just squander their money. I'm used to silver spoons and gold spoons and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, too. So, (laughs) do you want to talk about, why don't you go about, um, what's his name? The the chaplain who apparently has taken over over our favorite Houston football team. (laughs) Yeah, I, I was not aware that this was all going down behind the scenes, that this Jack Easterby, I don't know, by, by the grace of God or whatever you want to call it, I mean, he's basically assumed power. The power that, you know, 
I guess was Bill O'Brien's at one point, but I mean, he's influencing this organization and, and evidently has, has the ear of Cal McNair because they're, I mean, he's running the show basically. He hired Nick Casario uh, from the Patriots, which, you know, is a whole other thing. It's like, No, let's talk about that right now. I am sick and tired of us trying to become the New England Patriots South. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. How many times do teams have to keep trying to hire these Patriot guys with the Patriot way to see that the reason it works in New England is because of Bill Belichick? Yeah, I mean, this is our third and fourth Patriot guy, Easterby and now Nick Casario. Mm -hmm. After Bill O'Brien and Romeo Cornell. Yeah. And let's go through these guys who've been in the, uh, who've come from the Belichick coaching tree. Bill O'Brien, failure. Romeo Cornell, failure. Uh, Charlie Weiss, failure. Um, Josh Daniels, failure. Mike Vrabel looks potentially like he's the coach of the Titans, right? Yes. He has a chance. They've made the playoffs, what, two years in a row now? He's looking promising. But he was a player. He wasn't a coach. So he has a different – he's able to take that Patriot way and also coach this team, you know, with the experience of being out there on the field and and taking those hits. And more importantly – He knows their guys are going to take. More importantly, not being a Bill Belichick hire. After he retired from Kansas City, he went to Ohio State to become a linebacker's coach. Then he mm. went to the Texans, again, as linebacker's coach. And then right. and in 2018, he was hired as head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, and so he had plenty of stops along the way. Yeah, he was never under Bill Belichick as a coaching hire. And mm. in his career as a head coach, he's 29 and 19 and two and two in the playoffs. In two years, that's three not years. Bad. Three he years. has he hasn't had a losing season. His first two years in Tennessee, both years he went nine and seven, and then this year he went eleven and five. I mean, how many years was Tennessee not making the playoffs before that? I mean, too damn many. Well, yeah. for them, not for us. Yeah. Um, but other than that, man, I mean this this whole. Patriot way is evidently not the way. It's not the way down south. And like, I don't know how this Easter, what's the name? Easterby guy? Or am I saying Easterby? I'm saying his name wrong and I don't give a damn because he's ruining my football team, man. Like, I don't see, I don't understand how no one in the organization can see the problem with this guy. I mean, Sports Illustrated did an entire um, article about discussing, just point out case after case was wrong. And then like a week after he came out and said it was a hit piece paid off by the Kraft family. <laughs> did you know that? Yeah, I saw that. Oh, I heard, okay. I heard about that. So let's get, I want to get down to what really has Deshaun Watson pissed off. At the end, at the end of the season, going to off season, 
the Texans front office told him that they would um, they would take his input for the next uh, GM and head coach, and what whoever he gave them, they would you know give him an interview or whatever. They basically gave him the power to pick to well not pick, but the very least his input was going to be discussed. Mm-hmm. So he gave them a list of names for GMs, a list of names for coaches, and then they went and hired their own GM. Then interviewing the guys that he that he named, and they're in the process of hiring a coach right now. And until last week, they hadn't interviewed any of the guys he named. So I like. I've seen people complain on Twitter like, oh, you can't give the superstar this much power. It's going to turn into a James Harden situation, blah, blah, blah. And normally I agree. You can't give one guy all this power, except when you ask the guy for when you're asking his permission. Right. Like if they just want to hire someone, they could have just said, hey, Deshaun, we're going out. We're going to get the GM. We're going to get the head coach. You do your workouts. Everything's going to be fine. But the second you ask for my input and then ignore it, we got a problem. Yeah. I mean, you like, I, if you don't want to give a superstar all this power, fine. It's your organization. You're, you're writing the checks. I get that. Mm-hmm. But once you do, you can't take it back. It, yeah. it, it just, it's, it just doesn't work that way. And then, you wind up losing your star player. I mean, it happens every single time. Like if I did, I gave my girlfriend an example earlier. If we were hiring a babysitter for our son and I told her, okay, whoever you want, I'll look at, I'll interview, we'll talk to her. And she's like, okay. And she gives me a list of names. And then I just go out and hire whoever I want and don't even pay attention to her input. Do you know how many nights I'd be sleeping on the damn couch? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I think most, I think most people, most guys would say that's probably a, a worse situation yeah. than the yeah. Texans. Well, no, it's the front. She's the front. Uh, that should be obvious because she's definitely the front office of this house. But still, if you give someone, if you ask for someone's input and then you completely ignore what they say, you can't be shocked when they get pissed off. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, you know, we talked about this a couple of days ago, kind of, you know, looking at this topic, but it's like, when you're a guy like Cal McNair, it's like, you inherited the team mm-hmm. from your father. Um, and he wasn't the greatest owner. He was, a good, I think he was a good owner. I mean, the, the team was, you know, for the most part did well and, uh, you know, always felt like they were just a couple of pieces away from making a run, mm-hmm. you know, and, but he wasn't perfect. You know, he obviously had a huge issue at the end, um, you know, with the comments that he made it was in 2018, I think, but, <clears throat> but it's like, he ran the team he wanted the way he wanted to. And fine. If you're going to do that again, you're the one writing the checks. Like, you know, nobody can force you to, to run the team otherwise. But it seems like these guys that inherit teams and money and all that stuff from, 
from their families. It just, you would think that they would try and do things differently and not necessarily keep up with the same old, same old, if it, if it didn't work then. Um, and also, like, how can you be respected if you try to be the same as your father or whoever, you know, whoever you inherited from? Like, you haven't earned that respect and power. You just were handed it. It was handed to you. Yeah, you didn't take any time learning the business. Yeah. So if, 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 and you, if, go you, about did, it, if you did, it was a shitty, <laughs> shitty job. Right, and if you go about it trying to be a hard ass or whatever, um, and you didn't earn that like reputation, then why would anybody respect you or want to listen to you? Mm-hmm. And going back to what you're saying about the team, sometimes I wonder if this team, like the owners, do they actually care about winning or is it about making money? We've talked about this forever. We've always, me and you, have always talked about this. That it is about clearly about the money. Because, because you've I always, don't think, you've, you've oh, always pointed out you've always pointed out that this team has always been good enough to get to the playoffs, to get at least one extra full eighty thousand stadium. You know, yo, I talked about. I don't know if I said this on the podcast or just you when they had that when they had that loser streak right before. No, was right before or after after the trade deadline. Kyle never came out. I was like, oh, we didn't want to trade anybody because we think we can still make a run at the playoffs. And I'm like, the playoffs isn't the fucking goal anymore. The Super Bowl is the goal. You have a like, superstar quarterback. No, but beside that, it's been 20 goddamn years. Yeah. Making the playoffs should no longer be the main goal for his franchise. It should be bringing home a Super Bowl. And I feel like I have that goal in mind. You do, and the fans do. I don't know. I don't know if the owner does at all. Yeah, it, it. Like you said, it's always, it's always felt like they've just been content. Yeah, and they're never. How am I gonna say this? Like they have no fear of relocation. Because after what happened to the Titans, the city of Houston would do everything they can. To keep the Texans here, it'll be one mm-hmm. big please, baby, please, baby, please, baby, please. They're not going anywhere. So if you like, you already have the city of Houston like in a chokehold, and you're making all this money. What do you have? What like push do you have to be a Super Bowl winning team? Like if they go eight and eight, nine and seven or 10 and six and barely make the playoffs and get knocked down in the first round, whatever. Do you think Kyle McNair cares as long as that check clears? Mm-hmm. And you would think I can't answer that question anymore. And you would think the way that 2020 went down, mm-hmm. no fans in attendance, mm-hmm. you could, you know, and when they were allowed back, you know, 12 people in the stadium, essentially <laughs> like, <clears throat> you would think that losing all that money, all that revenue, okay, we're not going to be able to fill the stadium. We're not going to make all this money weekend, weekend and week out like we like we're used to. Um, we need to focus on the team. We need to focus on putting the best team out there, going after the best players, trying to, you know. Um, make the best moves 
whatever it takes. I mean, that should be, that should have been the motivation once you realize, okay, all this money isn't coming in. Because now, and now, especially since nobody's going, if they, if Deshaun Watson gets traded, do you think anybody's going to go back to that stadium anytime soon? Yo, I'm saying this right here. If he gets traded, I'm rolling with whatever, with whatever team he gets traded to. Be it the Dolphins, the Jets, whoever gets him, that will be my team for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. But going back to what you said about the COVID-19 affecting the games, I would think I'm going the other way. The reason that they, they're, they don't, they're losing money, so they're more conservative. And people, when I say they're losing money, I don't mean they're coming in the red. You've seen this with, ba- with baseball. When the owners say they're losing money, that just means they, they're not making the profits they thought they would. So instead of making like, let's say, let's, let's say the profits that they expected were $4 billion and only make three, they still made a damn profit, but they're going to say, oh, we lost a billion dollars because they didn't make the money they were expecting. But for, I just, I have no faith in this team. Right. And, and, and I don't, I don't know if I'm going like, I don't know, even if they go out here and hire Eric Bieniemy and give him like full roster control or whatever. I don't know if that'll bring me back. If I'll feel confident in this team anytime soon, as long as Jack is still there and hell, maybe even as long as Kyle owns the team. Now, do you think, if they hire Eric Bieniemy, give him the control that he he's asking, he's looking for. Yo, did you see who they interviewed today? No. Oh, hold on, let me go find. Because I saw this today and I damn near lost my mind. While you're doing that, if they if they meet these conditions that he's looking for, mm-hmm. do you think that that's what what saves the day and and cools Watson down and, and pulls him off that wedge that, that he's on. I mean, what do we say? Winning cures everything? Yes. The question is, this team, they don't have a first-round pick. They don't have a second-round pick. And <laughs> you go look at this team's cap situation, they're damn near cap-strapped as it is because them linebackers lied to us. In fact, let me go back. Wow. I'm going to look up the cap right now. So they, they but, interviewed Josh McCown and Jim Caldwell. Yeah. Okay. Jim Caldwell is the black guy for being black guy. Right. That's what Jim Caldwell is. We, we, um, we interviewed him just to, um, what's it called? Just to play say the, uh, the Rooney rule. Mm-hmm. And Josh McCown, are you fucking serious? I thought he was still playing. I think he was playing last year. <laughs> I think one thing about Josh McCowan, like they like called his ass, I think it was the Eagles, like basically called him up while he was like teaching high school football, I think last year. Yeah, I'm glad. First thing I see is Josh McDaniel's interview makes mockery of of process of hiring process. I'm like you damn straight. Yeah, he played last year with the Texans. He was signed last year off the Eagles practice squad. 
You sound dumbfounded. Yeah, I am. But I guess I shouldn't be with this team. Yeah, so the Texans are already like going into 2021. They're already hard. They're already hard cat. Their their salary cap right now is about 201 million dollars already. I'm sorry, 202 million. Still in all his family. Let's see. Going to next year, Laramie Tunsil. I think he's properly paid. He would be making about twenty million for the next three years. Brandon Cooks, Rand, uh, Brandon Cooks, and Randall Cobb combined will make twenty-two million dollars next year. Ah, here we go. These I told you these linebackers were, were thieves. Whitley, Whitney Merciless next year, $12 million. Zach Cunningham, $11.4 million. Bernard McKendry, $8.5. So that's I forgot 30. JJ, 17, 17.5. Seven, JJ's contract, one of those things like the old guy who gets paid well. I'm going to let that go because when he was putting up those 20 sack seasons, he was underpaid. Mm hmm. Let's see, Bradley Roby, ten million next year. Eric Murray, I don't even know. I don't even know who that guy is, but he's making six point seven million. Like this defense is so overpaid for the production they gave us last year. That that merciless contract kills me. I think twelve million, then fourteen, then fourteen. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't even know this team. The kicker's making four point two million. But going back to you saying, you oh know, my god, yeah, going back to what you said, like, can they cool Deshaun Watson down and make him happy if they hire Eric Bieniemy? Maybe. I don't know. How do you? I don't know how they make this team better. David Johnson making nine million. Duke Johnson making. Five million, so fourteen million right there between two running backs, who Name probably Johnson. Hmm? Name Johnson. I was gonna say two running backs that probably can't get you a combined fifteen hundred yards. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> don't look at me like that. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, <clears throat> my girlfriend you know, saw me only... with this look of disgust on my face. She's like, ah. Oh, yeah. she's laughing. Is she laughing at you? She's she's just shaking her head. She's a Seahawks fan, right? Yes. So she doesn't have much to worry about. No. They're, they're usually pretty good year in and year out. But um, yeah, man, I mean, you have to hope that. Uh, you have to hope that if you sign Bienemy, it cools down Watson. And also you have to hope that he may that you have to hope that Bienemy wants this job. I think this is the last job that's open. 
And if I was a head coach coming to this team with no money, no first round pick, no second round pick, an owner, GM, whatever the hell Jack Easterby is, a situation that seems toxic at best. <laughs> I would might be, he might be better suited just waiting out another year. Especially for a black head coach. He if he fails on his first try, he may never get another chance. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he just says, you know what, I'm gonna stay with Kansas City one more year, running back next year. Yeah, I mean you could see some uh there's some interesting, you know, there there's some interesting openings that could come up. There'll be another six or seven head coaches opening openings next year. He could try it again. I definitely would. Uh, this is depressing. I mean, the the James Harden situation sucked seeing how he handled it. But here is like, I can't even blame Deshaun Watson because he's doing everything that I would do in a situation. Mm-hmm. And I said on Twitter, like, if the Harden trade on the pain scale, the Harden trade was a six, the George Springer signing, which we'll get to in a moment, was a two. Watching Deshaun Watson leave this team in the prime of his career after everything that we suffered through to get a franchise quarterback would be a goddamn 14. No doubt. All right, let's move on to George Springer. George Springer. Signed with the Toronto Blue Jays for six years, $150 million, which if you listen to our off-season preview, it's right in the middle of what we predicted. I predicted <laughs> yeah, I predicted five years, $125 million. You had seven years, $175 million, and we both picked the New York Nets. Mets. We did? I thought I picked the Angels. Oh, did you? Hold on. Let me look. You might be right. I could have sworn I picked the Angels, but... A handy dandy note. I think my... In... Oh, my... I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. You picked the Angels. We okay. both picked the Mets for Real Muto. Mm-hmm. And then the Bowers. Is Trevor Bauer ever going to be signed? Yeah. You picked the Yankees and I picked the Angels. That's right. But yeah, we both expected George Springer to leave and he left. Toronto. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting signing for him. You know what? One thing that never made sense to me. When the the rumors came out that he wanted to play closer to home, um, his home's is in Connecticut. And mm-hmm. if he were talking about the Boston Red Sox, that never made sense to me. He's a 31-year-old center field fielder, and Boston looks like if they're not rebuilding, they're retooling. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a signing. You sign Springer for if you're ready to win going into next year. And the Boston thing, the Boston rumor never made sense to me, so I, I always, I knocked them out first. And I I assume the Mets because the owner was talking that big, that big shit, and he didn't sign Springer, but he's made other moves to back up his mouth. He's definitely. I mean, he's shown that he's aggressive. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess smart at the same time. I mean, he yes, because he, he fired, didn't overspend. He fired that idiot GM. Yeah, I was gonna say he's got his, he's got some other problems to mm-hmm. to deal with <laughs> that he was probably busy with uh, while George was signing with with Toronto. But mm-hmm. um, he's cl- clearly aggressive, but also um, prudent at the same time. Because he could have overspent, he could have, you know, he could have given George 175 million, um, but you know, he he didn't, and uh, um, Toronto out of nowhere. It's I feel like I mean, you just never expect. You're always surprised when it's not the Yankees, Red Sox, Mets, or uh, Dodgers. Like any every every other t- and Phillies, every other team in baseball is like a shocker. And honestly, I feel like for the Yankees, ever since the boss died, we got to get used to them only doing like a big signing once every seven or eight years. Yeah, Garrett Cole, and we'll see somebody in you know about five or six years. Mm-hmm. They're definitely more aware of the salary cap than um, their father George Springer ever was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steinbrenner. Steinbrenner, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, so, so how are you feeling? Like, emotionally, how are you feeling? Springer's gone, it's official, how are you? Well, I, I made peace with it mm-hmm. um, once he declined the, uh, the, the what is it, not arbitration, arbitration, but the... Um, the offer? Yeah. <laughs> Name the six. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, once... Once he declined that, um, I was like, okay, well, this is, it's time to move on. They're not going to resign him. Um, and I was, like I said, I was surprised that he signed with Toronto. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But man, I actually like that signing. I, I like him joining that team because he's a, a veteran winner who's still kind of young. Um, who can kind of still relate to these young guys that are on that team. I mean, that's a that's an interesting young lineup that they have with was it Bo Bichette, all these sons of former ball players. <laughs> yeah. Bichette and Biggio and Guerrero. I mean, Guerrero Jr. That core, that, that, those core three, um, that makes up an interesting lineup to begin with. And now you add a guy like Springer who can lead off, who can hit in the middle of the order. That's a nice piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they have enough pitching at the mm-hmm. moment, but. Um, the number one starter right now seems to be Young Jin Ryu. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. Him, Robbie Ray, Nate Pearlson, Tanner Rorock, and Ross Stripling. As far as that's their their starting rotation, according to Fangraphs, and that seems like a, a team that's going to be in a lot of high scoring games, whether they mm-hmm. want to or not. I'm, I'm gonna go to their payroll. Let's see. Do you guys have money to get Trevor Bauer? Because you may need to. 
Let's see what's the currently they're at a hundred and twenty eight million dollars, so they're way under the luxury tax of two hundred and ten. So they've got they've got some room to spend. Mm-hmm. And is Bauer he's he's still the the top pitcher available? Yes. Okay. By far, I'm not even sure who's. <laughs> This hot stove has been so slow. I don't even know who's left. It's lukewarm. All right. I feel like you, like, once Springer declined the qualifying offer, that just came to me. Um, <laughs> he was out the door. And we've had this discussion. Once a guy reaches free agency in any sport, you're basically – your chances of getting him back go from a one in one chance to a one in 21, 25. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was, I'm just like you, I'm resigned to the fact he's gone. And I feel the same way that I felt about Dallas Keiko is like, get your money while you can because you only have so many years in this game. Yeah. And, you know, he did enough. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, we, the World we, Series MVP. Yeah. I mean, you can't ask much from you know, can't really ask for much more. Um, and uh, yeah, he was a great Astro, but it's not like uh, it's not like he's the best Astro in history. <laughs> and it's not like you're it's not like you're losing Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you're losing Don't hurt George me Springer. Like yeah, I mean, you're, you're losing a, a top 10 outfielder, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, and, no, he's, no, yeah. he's not Mike Trout. He's not Mookie Betts. But you still, when he's on, he's one of the best players in baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's uh, hit some great leadoff home runs, made some spectacular catches in the outfield. And like I said, World Series MVP, so... You know, he he got the job done here. And, you know. Adios, muchacho. That's uh, it. My question is, the ALEs, how would you rank the teams? Hmm. Well, I tell you, if, if Toronto could get a, another pitcher, if they could get a Trevor Bauer, um, that I don't know. It could be if and nuts, honey, and butts, whatever. I'm talking about right now as the teams are constructed. Okay. Well, then they are. I would probably say the third best team in that division. I, I agree because yeah. I still have the Rays above them and the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. But again, that offense looks to be good enough or getting better. Um, that they could possibly hang with those. I think the out the the lineup. I think can be better than uh, Tampa mm-hmm. and has still has ways to go to, to match the potential that the Yankees have. I, I um, can't say anything about Tampa. Tampa, they could go in there and pull a guy out of the stands and he'll hit 290 with 15 <laughs> home runs. You never know. Uh, but pitching, pitching wins yeah. all. And Yeah, they remind me of the Brooklyn Nets. Like, yeah, they're going to score a lot, but they're also going to give up a lot. Mm-hmm. And that that may work in the regular season, but when it comes to the playoffs and you need that ace, I don't know. 
Hold, hold on. They might be second because I forgot the Rays trade away Snail. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. So this could be their year to kind of surprise everybody. In fact, let me go to the Rays, see who's on their, their starting rotation. Tyler Glasnov, Ryan Yarbrough, Michael Walker, Flock of Flame, Josh Flemings, and Trevor Richards. So that's the Rays starting lineup, uh, starting rotation. I mean, we talked about the the Blue Jays. The Rays ain't doing too much better there. Yeah, I mean, I recognize for the Blue Jays, I recognize Tyler Chatwood, Robbie Ray, uh, and Tanner Roark, and and Hyun Jung Ru. But um, I don't. All those guys were two, three, and four starters for their previous teams. Uh, I don't see a standout number one guy. Um, and I think, yeah, if you can make that splash and get Bauer, that that uh, secures that position. You know, know a guy they, sh- they can go out and get? Masahiro Tanaka. He's Is he a free agent? A, he's a free agent, and the Yankees signed Corey Kluber. Oh. And he, you know, he's familiar with that division. Mm-hmm. Keep him away from a heated rival. Mm-hmm. So right now we're saying we're saying uh, the, the Jays two wild card team. The second the AL East calling them wild card team because I think that's where I'm going. Um. Yeah, I think that's I think it's possible. I think that's where they should be um, kind of rated. Okay. So a little bit after that Springer signing, news came out that Michael Brantley had signed a three-year deal with the Toronto Blue Jays, and Astro Twitter was in an uproar. Thankfully, those rumors were proven false, and Michael Brantley has re-signed with the Houston Astros two years Thirty-two million dollars, running back Same his as- yeah his previous contract. Also went out and brought back Jason Castro. I think two years, fourteen. Wow, really? What did he do in, in Minnesota to get that kind of deal? He's still a above average defensive catcher, um, left-handed, so he can play a platoon role with Maldonado and. Like I looked at uh, fan graphs and I read uh, an article like his hard hit rate has exploded. So he's hitting the ball harder than ever last year, year or two. Mm-hmm. And you hope that if that continues in Minute Maid Park. Making, sorry, I'm making sure. Yeah, I'm the, sorry. Two years, seven. Seven million. million. Yeah. yeah. I have a way high. Okay. that that That's more. uh that's in line. Reasonable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. I'm over here eating rice cakes. They're fine. They're what? Oh, no. 
What's going on over there? Stupid pop-ups on ESPN. Oh, you about to get us taken down. <laughs> That's licensed music, boy. They can come for us. <laughs> it was a, a remix or a, a cover. Oh, okay. So who knows who that was? I don't know. Poorly made cover. But wow. All right, so how you feeling about the Astros? Feeling less suicidal after, uh, <laughs> yeah, after the I mean, signing of um, Michael Brantley? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good holdover. Because um, he's, what, 32, 33? So another two years, he'll be, you know, he'll be, by the time he's that contract is over, he'll be, what, you know, between 35 and 36 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um a contact hitter, still a uh, you know hits for hits for a good average. Um, you know he, he's never been advertised as a power hitter or a a, a dangerous hitter, but he's a, a consistent hitter, and that's what this this lineup is. You know this lineup has uh, uh, has benefited from that, and um, this lineup can always use a consistent hitter. I think any lineup could use a, a bat like that that can hit for you know an above average to you know mm-hmm. high average um, with uh, with some pop. The perfect and, description and for, pres- Mi- for for Michael Brantley is a professional hitter. Yeah, every you know who doesn't love a professional hitter. Mm-hmm. Mm, sorry. This is actually decent rice cakes. I've never had a good one. <laughs> so how do you feel about the Astros' chances in the West? Um, I always like their chances in the West. Mm-hmm. The pitching staff is still – I think it's still good enough. Um, I think you have more faith in them than I do. I still see them sign another starter because I don't know if Valdez uh, – uh, Javier and I, I always mess up who's Jose's last name. Kitty. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I don't know if I trust him over a, a full 162 in game season. Mm-hmm. So, I'll, personally, I would like to see them sign another starter. Then, then Trevor I, Bauer. It's not going to be, they don't have money for that. <laughs> A, they oh, don't even have if they to... had the money, I think I don't even think he would take it. I think um, Alex Bregman would rather eat Minute Maid Park brick by brick than have <laughs> yeah. uh, Bauer as a teammate. But you know they could be in the running for someone like um, who was I say earlier? Tanaka. Tanaka. Um, just find someone who can slip in that three four range and you know just someone who can eat innings so you're not relying on the young guys for an entire season mm-hmm. i mean get one more year of grinky mm-hmm. uh so he'll you know be at the top of the rotation you know we've had this debate back and forth um mccullers will probably slide into your number two spot which i think i've said that's about as high as i think he's i think that's his ceiling mm-hmm. um I think we both agree there now. Yeah. I think I said he's a guy who's he's a number two, 
a guy who's going to give you flashes of being an ace, but also have those games where he goes three innings and gives up seven runs? Yeah, I mean, even for the Tommy John surgery, mm-hmm. it, he was just always inconsistent. Yep. Eight innings of three hit ball one one night, and then he had blasted in four innings for, for seven runs. And, you know, that drives that if anything drives me nuts about a, a you know a, a player that that's it that inconsistency yeah i think this year who have more of those like decent games like let's say seven innings three runs eight strikeouts and those games where he blows up we're going to see those maybe once a month it's going to happen less than it's happened previous he's another year removed from Tommy John's surgery uh, we saw him in the playoffs. He looked electric. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, again, just this division, just this division. I, I think um, it's still not the the lineup is better than any other division or any other lineup in the, in the division. Um, yeah, you lose Springer, but you're getting Alvarez back for an entire year. Mm-hmm. Altuve. Uh, he he's not going to be as bad as he was in the regular season. I don't think he's going to be as great as he was in the playoffs. He's going to find some kind of balance. Um, Bregman was hitting before he got hurt. And like we said, we got Brantley back. We'll talk about Correa in a minute. Gurriel's is the one person I'm really worried about. Like I can see him falling off a cliff this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tucker, I mean, Tucker stepped up huge last year. I can see another increase for him going this year. And then Straw, as long as he's like the Jake Marisnik, the guy who can run down every ball in center field and hit ninth and be, I'm not saying, let's say be respectable, like hit like 240 or something. Mm-hmm. It'd be all right. Yeah. And who else in this division do you trust? The Rangers finally admit they're rebuilding. The Mariners, no offense. The Mariners are the Mariners. The Angels can't get right. <laughs> and if you trust that the Oakland Athletics in the playoffs, I got a bridge to sell you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is still the most solid and consistent team in this division. Mm-hmm. And as great as Mike Trout is, I would take this lineup over Mike Trout pretty much any any day. Yeah. Only thing I see happening is Yuri Gurriel falling off a cliff. And I don't know why, but I feel like this is going to be the Carlos Correa breakout year. <laughs> because he's going uh, to have to be. Because he's going to be a free agent after this year. Yeah. I mean, it's going to have to be as well. I mean, you lose a bat like Springer, somebody has to step up. And. I think this is yeah this this could be the year that he really shines, mm-hmm. but at the same time that makes it that makes it tough because if he has a crazy insane year, then the bidding is going to be crazy insane. Well, that depends because we got a couple of um, shortstops coming up this year. 
All right, we got expiring contracts. Uh, all positions. Go to shortstop. Update. Oh, 2022. So Lindor, even though there's rumors of him signing a uh, contract in New York, nothing is official yet. Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, uh, going to Javier Baez, Carlos Correa. So those five are all going to be free agents. Like out of those, who who would you who would you sign? Correa. Correa. Yeah, I mean, because I don't think you're going to open up the 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 purse strings for any of those other guys. If you're not willing to pay Correa a lot of money, then. Yeah. No, I'm asking you're if, not if, gonna... if, if you're the, if you're an owner of a baseball team, who are you signing? Correa is your number one. Who Who's the rundown? Lindor, Correa. It's uh, Lindor, Lindor, Story, Seager, Baez, and Correa. Those five. Man, I mean, it comes down between Correa and Lindor, I think. That's where I'm going. Story would be up there, but he's he's the oldest. He's twenty. Both Story and Baez are twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seager and Lindor are twenty eight. Correa's twenty seven. Or will be yes. twenty seven. Yeah, he's still twenty six. I would. I, I still. Yeah, that's all their ages going into next the next free agency. Yeah, I would. St- I would probably still say Correa is mm-hmm. the guy to sign. What's the largest? Sorry, the largest shortstop contract right now. We know of all time it's um, Alex Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Currently, the largest El- Elvis at- Tulowitzki. Mm. Ooh, they have Elvis. Yeah, because Tulowitzki is. I don't think he's active. So mm-hmm. it is Elvis Andrews, eight years, 120 million. Oof, man. How much longer do they have on that one? Uh, 2023. Wow. So he'd be a free agent in 2024. So, so they got three more years of that. That turned into a uh, Albert Pujols contract, <laughs> essentially. I mean, you sign me young, hoping those stay good, and sometimes they don't stay good. Mm hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if who, what, like, how shall I word this? Short, the shortstop contract, one of those fives, I wouldn't be surprised if they get eight years, 240, just doubling that Andrews contract. Mm-hmm. That's, that's 30 million, that's what, 30 million a year? Let me make sure me math is right. Eight times thirty, yeah, eight years two forty. I mean, Houston could afford that for Correa if he wanted to stay. If he wanted to take that, I should say, mm-hmm. because both. Which, by all accounts, he wants to. He wants yeah. to stay. Next year, the Granky contract comes off the books. Same thing with the. Um, Verlander contract, and that's about $50 million that'll open up. Oh, yeah. Make sure. But if you're the owner, you can pay whatever you want. 
you're a billionaire. Money really doesn't mean anything to you. Yeah, especially if it's a guy that you want to keep. Yeah. Who else contract comes off the books next year? Uh, Guriel, I think he uh, it's eight million dollars for twenty twenty two, but they also have a five hundred thousand dollar buyout. Mm-hmm. And he'll be thirty eight or thirty nine by then. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, so Grinky, let's see, Verlander's thirty three and come out. Grink, Grinky's contract is thirty five million, but the Diamondbacks are paying ten million of that. And then Joe Smith contract for four, four million comes off the books. So yeah, they have money. Mm-hmm. They may not have money to re-sign Lance McCullers, but shit, they'll have money. They can make <laughs> it work. Everybody else is either in arbitration or team control or guys like Altuve and Bregman have long-term deals or locked into. Yeah. Altuve is, man, $29 million a year mm-hmm. through 2024. Yep, four more years. Mm-hmm. Bregman is making 13 this year and next, and then it jumps to 30 and a half, 23 and 24. So the thing about the contracts, right, and I should explain this when it comes to like things like the salary, the, the tax, it takes the average of your contract. So it doesn't take the year by year breakdown. Does that make sense? Say that again. So like Bregman's contract, he's getting paid 14 this year, next year. And then the two years after that, he would make 30. As far mm-hmm. as the salary tax is concerned, since it's a five-year deal for a hundred million, his tax bill is just twenty million every year. Okay. Yeah. So even though those last two years will be paying, they'll be paying him thirty million dollars for the tax. So he's only going to be making, as far as the tax is concerned, he's only making twenty. So they have they have like an extra ten million dollars to, and uh, tax freedom. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah, and, and man, yeah, you have to like. You have to like that in 23 and 24, you you have an average of 60 million in commitments. That's a whole lot of money left over to, to make something happen. Yeah. You would hope, but all we can do is sit and watch. Yeah. All right. So we talked about... Deshaun Watson, we talked about George Springer. Anything else? Um, no, I think that's it. All right. Uh, another great podcast. Great talking to you. Great catching up, man. Always. All right. So our next podcast will be this weekend on episode three of WandaVision. Apparently, from everything I've seen, I haven't watched it yet, but reviews is the best episode yet. So uh, we're going to hop on there. And then next Friday, we'll have our Royal Rumble preview. That's going to be good. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Can't wait. Uh, anything else you want to say to peeps? Oh, thanks as always for uh, tuning in. Appreciate right. it. All right. Thanks. Thanks as always, guys. We appreciate it. If you can, leave us those five-star reviews. They are much appreciated. 
And uh, I want to give a shout out to my lovely girlfriend who's been sitting here listening to me ramble on the entire time. Yes. You happy? Yeah, she was like, I, I want to shout out the podcast I don't listen to. It's a, it's a one-sided conversation she's listening to. Yeah, because she can't hear it. She can't hear anything. So <laughs> she's hearing me yeah, ramble on and scolds me for being too loud. Just a good... Not today, Passion. Good? Uh, okay. All right, guys. Uh, once again, thanks for listening. And we will be back on Monday with WandaVision. Until then, for Anthony, I'm DeQuincy. Later, babies. Oh.